When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) You could just look at her license. My special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and you know we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there, and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights, or they're not told all the rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is is eight hundred seven seven zero seven zero zero eight. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Butch Patrick on the show. Butch Patrick, better known as Eddie Munster. Next on the best of... You know what's so amazing about that, Butch, is the fact that because... It was Yvonne Carlo and it was you when you go down the list. Uh, we can't possibly picture anyone else being in those roles. So when I did see that, that trailer, or that I think there was about five or ten minute uh, um, yeah. initial episode or whatever, it just seemed so odd because, that, wait a minute, Eddie, that's Butch Patrick. I'm sorry, you can't have anybody else playing that role. <laughs> it's, it's what I'm used to and have been all these years. 
Uh, there probably never was a bigger Munsters fan than than me. I absolutely the humor of the Munsters. Now, you know, the Adams family was wonderful as well. It was a different kind of humor. Mm-hmm. But the straight ahead, you know, Leo DeRocher getting head <laughs> hit in the head by a baseball that, that yeah. uh, Herman had hit. I loved the the humor on the Munsters. I thought it was fantastic. Well, you know, it was produced by the people that had done Leave it to Beaver for six years. So they had a very good formula in place. And then what they did is they uh, they took the Universal Monsters and the genre and uh, took all that lighting and all the set designs that they were so good at and wound up making this great comedy. So you know you had great writing, you had good, you know good people, but you had this unique way of taking the Universal Monster franchises and turning them into a television show. Yeah, I, it just it was a great. Uh, whose idea was it? the same people that that did Leave It to Beaver? It was one of their ideas. Yep. It was their initial idea. Yeah, it was. They they had they started with Amos and Andy in the fifties, then they went to Leave It to Beaver, and really? then they went to the Munsters. They had their, they were all over the hmm. place. I, you know, and I tell you what, Butch, I got in huge trouble for this, but you can blame them. It's their fault, not mine. I once asked my mother why she didn't wear an, a gown and pearls when she was cooking in the kitchen like the mom on Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> she was dressed to the nines, man. When those kids were going off to school, she was already set for the evening. It was oh, unbelievable. It. Yeah, the dads you were know, always wearing suits. Look at, look, at, look at Elizabeth Montgomery on Bewitch. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, look at Donna Reed. They were all well-dressed ladies. You know? it was, uh, they were all, they're all getting ready for the martini hour at 10 in the morning. Was it a lot of fun to shoot the monsters? Did you have? It was a, probably a lot of work, but it was fun as well. It was. It was. Luckily, it was only three days a week to be in makeup, so we would have a light reading day on Monday, which was you mm. know just sit around and laugh at the jokes. And Tuesday, we did a little blocking because we had different directors, so a lot of different directors needed to come in and set up you know set up their camera angles. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were makeup and film days. But the neat thing about it was, is, like I told in my book, Monster Memories. They asked me for my uh, monster memory, and I said, you know, that was my job. But my best memories were wandering around the Universal Studio when I had time to go explore. You know, little kid, you know, 12-year-old boys, 11-year-old, 11, 12-year-old boys, they love to go explore places. And what better place to have at your disposal than the entire back lot of Universal and all the sound stages with all the startup movies that were going on during two years. We must have, they probably filmed 30 or 40 movies while I was out there. That I, that had to be a magnificent to be a witness of. That had to be wonderful. You, how much time do you spend on the road now, uh, Butch? Uh, we're talking to Butch Patrick here, of course. Played Eddie yeah. Munster on the Munsters, but you are you on the road constantly now? I am now uh, since I purchased a Munster coach and Dragula tribute cars three years ago. Did you um, really, gentlemen? For the well, six years ago, I met him. Uh, he was hired to drive me around at a haunted attraction. We became friends. He helped me book. I helped him book, and we started touring together. And then when he retired three years ago, I wound up buying his cars. And then I got married two years ago, so my wife took over the booking and travels with me. And now she's got me booked every weekend through into the middle of nineteen. But now we're starting to do midweek um, promotions with automotive dealers and promotional people along the way because while we're doing our weekends, they're solid. What do you do Monday through Thursday? before the next weekend. So now we're, we're actually branching out to even doing more. So I'm going to do about 80, 80 stops over the next uh, about seven, uh, eight months. God, that's that's amazing. I tell you what, though, and I've been married to the same woman for 34 years. We've been together for 37 years. But i got to believe mm-hmm. if she booked me to go on tour when I got back, she wouldn't be there. <laughs> that's just me, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my, one yeah, never knows. This is a good. It's a good thing, and I'm a gearhead, and, and, I, and automotive events are fun. I still right. do some Comic Cons, like like Des Moines, 
we do, uh, it's interesting, the Munsters falls into so many different categories. And the house that I bought in Missouri was my grandma's old house. Oh, it turned wonderful. out to be haunted, so we do paranormal stuff. We do Comic-Cons, we do automotive, we do horror sci-fi, we do pop culture. The Munsters fell into a huge pop culture 60s window. So literally there's seven or eight different categories that we can go down without ever uh, wearing out the welcome, so to speak. I think that's fantastic, though. I think that, do you do, uh, you do a podcast or anything like that, uh, talking about all these very interesting subjects? No, I guest star, I guest on a lot of people's other podcasts, but I haven't done, I was thinking about doing a, a, a ghost story morning uh, podcast. Because right. I have a, I represent a company called Deadly Grounds Coffee, so I was thinking about doing a coffee talk thing in the morning for paranormal fans and just talk about what happened the night before and, and with people's, uh, experiences around the country because i do have this really big old queen anne victorian home that's highly active built in a vortex and i thought it would be good for the coffee business at the same time um you know paranormal is a big business right now so i'm thinking about maybe hosting ghost tours in my house that's a great idea i'm serious i think but i'm pop- never home well, that's the, yeah, that is the problem. You're never home. That is going to be, that is going to be a huge problem. You know, which is all, I, I was just thinking about since I was a, a teenage kid, which is when the Munsters were on, uh, any house that we come across, my friends or whatever, that might be this either massive or kind of run down mm-hmm. or, you know, just, it's always 1313 right. Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> always. That's always yeah. the address of that house. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. I just, I just created, I just booked a thing about an hour ago for a guy in, in Hannibal, Missouri, which wasn't too far away. I had a, a last-minute cancellation. So I whipped up a 1313 promotion, 13, you know, $1,313 on Father's Day to have fathers come out. After all, Herman was the level-headed one in the family and Grandpa's Dracula, and everybody remembers 1313 oh, yeah. as the most famous address ever on television. So it works really well. <laughs> it, it's the most famous address ever on television. I think you're absolutely right. 1313 Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> <laughs> You know the way they set so many the, the way they set up so many uh, 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 trailers at the beginning would be like oh, we have a Herman Munster who we love that thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane they emphasize it so many times on so many scripts that it just it's embedded to people's brains. It is in mine, I'll tell you that it absolutely is in mine, and I could I could still probably it, does does the does, does the set still exist or did they tear it down? No, the sets, well, the set themselves are probably in the back lot. They never throw anything away. Oh, good. And the house mm. itself was, was painted up to be uh, on Desperate Housewives. And it's on this street that had the Beaver House and had Marcus Welby and oh, it had, you know, yeah. a few other famous houses as neighbors. Yeah, Alfred Hitchcock had a house out there in one of his shows. But uh, it's, it's probably around somewhere. <clears throat> I think it's wonderful because I could I can in my mind right now go through the front door. You look at that big, huge staircase right there that had a dragon in it. I mean, I can see it all in my head right now, and it'll never go away, which is you wonderful. Know, if you if you like that, go on the go on the internet and look up Munster Mansion, Waxahachie, Texas. There's a couple uh, named Sandra and Chuck McKee down there that built their own Munster Mansion, and it's not so much the house that they built, it's the way that she appointed it inside. It's just perfect no pun intended it's dead on munster it's got spot it's got the it's got the uh the phone booth it's got and the thing at the top of the stairs the spinning uh suit of armor everything even a dungeon and they she built it exactly the specs of the house it's unbelievable and i tell you what as a as a little kid i often wondered why do they have a phone booth in their house <laughs> yeah I took it after J. Paul Getty, apparently. Apparently, that's where it came from, is J. Paul Getty had well, pay phones in his house. 
Well, you know, one of the, the interesting things too, when people say about the you know the success of the show and the longevity, is yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was unique with the with the makeup and the cast and all that. But they didn't they didn't skimp on the music. They didn't nope. skimp on the set direction. They didn't skip on the lighting, the sound, everything, every step of the way, the cars, the, everything they did was first rate, and it fell into place for a little two year window that just. Uh, America's in love with it. I very, very, very rarely run across somebody that doesn't put a smile on their face when they find out that Eddie Munster's, uh, you know, at the table talking to them. They all come up and have a great time. And now, kids, a new generation, kids, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old, if their parents or grandparents introduce them to it, they like it, and they love watching it with grandpa. Oh, I don't think there's any question, because it's, you know, it's it's charming, it's very, very funny, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's everything a, a kid loves, there's no question Wholesome, about it. it's yep, got family it values, you yep. know, we, we sit down and have dinner, the lessons are learned, you know, Herman's a sweet guy, he goes to work every day, he holds a job, well, mom takes care of that. I mean, it's, it's a very classic example of uh, the ideal family in, in the 60s, except we happen to be monsters, you know, and that was it. <laughs> but other than that, you know, not that big a deal. Other than that. And, and then the, jo- the running jokes with Marilyn, you know, right. everybody thinks Marilyn's the only one. <laughs> no, She's yes. thinking guys are running away from her. I mean, it's just so silly, but it works. Yeah, the fr- the freakishly beautiful. <laughs> Everybody thought she was homely. My favorite, my favorite line was my favorite line was when Herman would say, "Well, I can tell you, she's nobody from my side of the family that looks like that." And if we don't get rid of her pretty soon, we're going to be stuck with her forever. <laughs> <laughs> Butch Patrick, ladies and gentlemen, is there? Uh, do you have a website people could go to? Anything like that? Yeah, Munsters.com. I've owned that for over 20 years. It has my schedule. It will lead you to the store. It will lead you to merchandise. It will lead you to everything you need to know. We have a very active fan group called the Official Munsters Fan Group, over 17,000 members. My wife runs it. She makes it spam-free, very wholesome. Uh, Anybody can go there, and they won't get a bunch of pop-ups and, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff from the Internet on it. It's really good stuff. So if you go to Munsters.com, everything the Munsters you'd ever need to know is there. It is wonderful. Thank you for your time today, sir. Come down to Wizard, Wizard World. We'll get it done. Yeah, all, I okay, have all, thank you. Oh, sorry. Bye bye. Yeah, I have all the information. Uh, if you want to head down to Iowa for the weekend, it's in Des Moines, Iowa, June first through the third. You can visit wizardworld.com, and you can use the promo code Darkness twenty save twenty percent on ticket purchases. But you can use that uh, promo code for any of the Wizard World events this year. Um, they're going to be all over the place. Yeah. Madison, Chicago. So wherever you may be, you can always use that darkness code or darkness 20 code and save 20%. You know what I really love? I, he said, well, how much time do you need? I said, well, you know, and be honest as long as you want. Why don't we shoot for 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. He was on for 13. <laughs> <laughs> because he figured out that he wasn't going to get the normal radio stuff. Probably true. Probably from, true. Yeah, from you. Would you ever wear your outfit and have sex right. with a woman? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that, great. That yeah. crap. I hate that stuff so much. <laughs> I, I've done radio tours to promote the podcast and do all kinds of things. And it, it's like, really? This is the, what you're going to ask? I know. Me? That's it, huh? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they kept all those set pieces. That's I didn't either. That's fantastic. They do, though. But you, you know what the rebirth of all this, what's, what TV show now helps all this is, mm. is um, the Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that, yes. And I mean, they constantly, at some part of every season, Comic-Con comes up. Yeah. Somehow, some way, it comes up. I yeah, they're the that. reason geek culture is in again, Oh, I think. geek culture, he just called you a geek. <laughs> I am, <laughs> I love it. That's what people call it now. Yeah, that's what oh, they, they call, call it. Oh, they call it geek culture? Yeah. Yep. 
We have one minute left, Andy, right? Minute and ten seconds? Yep. I just wanted to make sure we had the time right. But uh, Butch Patrick, was, I've, I've interviewed him several times now. He's a hell of a nice guy. Very smart guy, actually. Um, I don't know if people know that or not, but he's a, he's a very bright guy. So are you going to be talking to Dave tonight? Yes. I'm sure he'll call me once all of these events are done for the day. And he's got to be there today, tomorrow, and Sunday? Yeah, I think he's got uh, a panel on Sunday. Then he, I think he'll probably be leaving there around 3. So he'll be home Sunday night. Well, about 7, 7.30. Mm-hmm. About a four-hour drive, isn't it? Roughly, depending on traffic. Yeah, I suppose it depends on traffic. Yeah. Oh, it's Sunday night. They better not have that much traffic. I, would I think. hope not. But that, thank you so much, Cassie, for uh, for booking Ian Punnett and, and getting uh, uh, Sue to come on and talk about... Uh, that eye movement thing fascinates me. Why change, change the way your eyes move would help your I, brain? You remember when I worked at this grade school and I worked with the young men who had autism? Mm-hmm. They had a system, and they just called it lights and sound. Right. It was just a simpler way of describing it to people. And they would put these headphones on that would play this crazy music, and they put these goggles on, and it was just lights. Yeah. And those young people, when we took them there and brought them out, were so much more relaxed after they came That's out That's what I hear. I mean, they were, and I was going to ask her about it, but time was getting short. Well, but we're going to have her on again, though. But I, I'm almost certain it's pretty close to each other, and I couldn't yep. believe how that worked. And then the next step was seeing them, they would put these little uh, electrodes on their head and watch them manipulate the screen. Really? Yeah, they would uh, draw, they would play games and whatnot, and all they did was sit there and concentrate on the screen, but they could make Mm. everything happen. It is unbelievable. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. That was Butch Patrick on the Best of. Coming up next, we had Dr. Joseph Alton, and he was talking about his new book, The Ultimate Survival Medicine Guide, next on The Best Of. Good music, Cassie. It's John Bonham's birthday today. Oh, it is? Yep. I wonder if Molina's driving down the road now. Oh, he's not driving. He's, he, uh, he sold his car because he's moving to New York. Yeah, and he won't need a car, car in New York. <laughs> so no. I wonder if he's just flying to New York, if he flew out today, because today was his last oh, day yeah. in Minnesota. I need to correct something. Okay. Uh, the tallest man did not break his toe. All he did was have a blister. But, <gasps> oh, my God. But, yeah, <laughs> no antibiotics I means, have... yeah, you're dead. <laughs> I had read that he had actually had a nail in his in at, on the bottom of his foot, and he just didn't notice it because he just didn't have you know good uh, nerve supply down there. Oh my God! You don't know some nail in your foot? Well, when you're eleven right. feet, yeah. wait, no, eight, eight feet eleven. He's almost nine feet tall. Wow. I mean, well, yeah, nerves can only carry a signal for so long. Yeah, oh, yeah. I am sure that is true. I actually uh, had a friend. He's no longer with us, unfortunately, but he went on a ski trip and he said, you know, it was a, it's a weird day today. I, I don't know what it was on the mountain, but I just didn't have my usual. I don't know if I, I twisted my ankle or, or I don't know what it is, but my, my right foot is just 
acting weird. This is after an entire day of skiing. He takes off his uh, his uh, ski boot, and there's a corkscrew in it. Oh. He had a corkscrew in his boot. Got a little uh, peripheral nerve damage. (laughs) How do you not know there's a corkscrew in your boot when you're skiing? If you have uncomfortable feet, maybe you'd want to check them out. Well, how does a corkscrew get in your boot? Oh, if you had known this guy, it'd be very easy to point out why why he had a corkscrew. Did he have, like, diabetes or something? Maybe. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. But do you see do you see things like that, Doctor Elton? That people show up and you go, "Well, how did that ever happen to you?" Does that happen a lot? That is something that happens to every doctor, just about every possible way. I can tell you, all sorts of uh, emergency room cases that I've that I've seen that you just wouldn't wouldn't believe some of the things that people wind up putting. Uh, yep. Places where the sun don't shine, and, to hit them and, just, <laughs> and just and just don't know, and just don't know how it got there. That is actually the most amazing part yeah. of it. Doctor Elton they slipped Dr. and fell. It's like, yeah, I bet there was a case on that happened on Monday or Tuesday. A guy in India showed up at the hospital uh, with an entire shower head shoved up his rectum. And he said he slipped and fell on it, mm-hmm. and it just jammed right up his rectum. That's how he said it got. So there. he slipped up, way up. Not very, I don't know. <laughs> the showers. I, 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 can beat, I can beat that one. I saw someone who had a potato uh, up somewhere, and it had actually grown, uh, sort of sprouted. Oh, <laughs> and you get the dubious honor of taking care of that. Thank you. Were you the Were you the plow plowman in that one? <laughs> I was, well, it depends on the definition of plow, I guess. <laughs> it didn't like go grow through the colon wall, did it? Um, uh, no, it actually didn't. It took the path of least resistance. That's good. Oh. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank you for clearing that up, Andy. You know, every day I've been I've been in the radio business now. This is my forty eighth year, and there are still days when I learn things I've never heard before. <laughs> and that would be the case here with a, a growing potato in your uh, potatoes will grow anywhere. <laughs> They're good at that. Well, hey, there's like fertilizer in there and everything. Sure. That's yeah, right. There would be fertilizer. That's a very, very good point. So, is that uh, example in the survival uh, medicine handbook, the essential guide for when medical help is not on the way? Is that in there? <laughs> no, we kept it more uh, G-rated. Uh, the the okay. book is uh, it's got a, a lot of different things in it. I mean, we talk about everything from athlete's foot to amputation, from heart disease to to hemorrhoids in the book, and all of it assumes that some disaster has occurred. There's no hospital, no doctor, and the average medical, uh, the average citizen becomes the highest medical asset left to their family. So we made a a plain English book that tells you how to deal with over 150 different medical issues if you found yourself suddenly off the grid. Now, uh, how is Amy related to you? Amy is my lovely wife. Oh, she is your wife. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. I want to check because it might have been your daughter. I don't know. I didn't. Want, I don't. Want, I didn't want to assume that it was your wife. I just, you know, she just looked like my daughter. She's so beautiful, <laughs> so young looking and beautiful. Yeah, we got the same we problem. Got we got the same problem, Doctor Joe. Oh, there you go. It's true. Um, it's true. Um, so your book. So your book. Would it be a good thing to have when you have children, and maybe something happens? You're out on the playground, and you don't know how long it's going to take for an ambulance to get there, or is this just basically for like you know, when you're hiking? Uh, well, it works away. for a lot of different things. It works. It works for situations where help is on the way, but let's say it could be minutes away, and you have to act in seconds to, let's say, stop bleeding or mm-hmm. uh, 
deal with some other, let's say, some major orthopedic issue. Uh, it works for situations when you're in the backcountry or it uh, talks yeah. about camping safety, for example. It talks about things that are in the news today. We, we have sections on how to deal with active shooter situations mm-hmm. and how to uh, give how to stop bleeding to the point at least that you give time to medical personnel if they are on the way so that you might be able to save a life. Sometimes uh, an an injury to an artery can take that person uh, out of medical help or out of of the range of medical help within just a few minutes. So we talk about that. We talk about every, I'll tell you, we even have a chapter on volcano preparedness in in this book i mean there's mm. really almost nothing that i don't talk about you can be downtown and if someone you know cut their artery the ambulance might not even it, it could be it three time. minutes away and they couldn't be there in time depending on how bad the injury is but it's as simple You're as exactly you just right. knowing to put on pressure can be it's just that simple can save someone's life yes absolutely right and uh, the the truth is is that Three minutes, five minutes, and that's pretty much all you have with an arterial bleed. There's mm-hmm. something called the golden hour, which states that if somebody doesn't get help, that's significantly injured and doesn't get help within an hour, that their chances of survival decrease significantly. Well, when it, when it comes to arterial bleeding, it's more like the platinum five minutes. You really need to get some kind of action, and most of that act, most of the time that action has to occur with the help of a good Samaritan or a bystander at the scene. Now, Dr. Alton, now that we're very close friends, I need a favor from you. Yes, sir. Already? Would you call Andy every day and pester him until he goes to medical school? Because he, he knows everything about medicine, but he won't go to medical school and get a degree. He doesn't like school. That's true. Well, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one thing that medical school has so there's so many different things you can do out of medical school these days that you can you can go into everything from you know trauma surgery to psychiatry there's there's and there's everything is subspecialized you if you want if you're interested in just one thing you can actually do it in 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 your medical school curriculum so it's a, it's a great time to be a doctor from the standpoint of you know a lot of technology available and things like that now i talk about the other spectrum, a side of the spectrum where there may not be much technology and you have to deal with limited supplies Mm -hmm. and what might be around you. So uh, it's sort of the opposite of what I talk about. But Andy, I think that it makes a lot of sense for you to uh, get into medical school. I think if you could do that, then you would wind up having a, a really, really satisfying career. And a satisfying life in helping other people with your knowledge, the great knowledge you knowledge you have, Andrew. It's time for you to step up and be a savior, like Dr. Joseph Alton. But I'm running a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's important. It's important. That is that's important also, sure. But he could do both. Sure. That's what that we, he could do this and go to I do both, so if See? I could do it he could. Mm. Mm. I, I, see I love that. That makes complete sense to me. Um so the book is available everywhere, I'm assuming. Yes, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on our website at doomandbloom.net. Uh, it is a, a book that's been uh, a number one Amazon bestseller in three or four different categories, disaster relief, safety, first aid, Wonderful. survival skills, and uh, it won the 2017 Book Excellence Award in Medicine. Now, I should mention it is Doom and Bloom with a B as in Barnard. It's not Doom and Gloom. It's Doom and Bloom. And why did you name it that? Well, Doom represents the various kinds of disasters that might affect mm-hmm. a family in, you know, during the course of their, uh, of their day or the course of their lives. And Bloom is the natural human uh, resilience in the face of adversity. 
See, I think that's wonderful. You give people hope just with your name, doomandbloom.net. The expanded third edition of the uh, three-category Amazon bestseller, Survival Skills, Disaster Relief, Safety First Aid, is geared to enable the non-medical professional to deal with all the likely issues they will encounter. It would be a great idea for every family to have this book in their house, I would assume. Well, you're asking somebody who's a little biased on that point, but yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. <laughs> well, yeah, to be able to, to turn to a text and say, hey, well, here's we can do this for now, yeah. that'd be a wonderful thing to add. At the very least, you should know basic human anatomy, so you know if something happens, what exactly is wrong, rather than just guessing. That's 100% correct. Um, well, to thank Amy for us for helping you write the book, because did she have to carry you through the entire thing, or did you carry her? Oh, I'm just a pretty face. <laughs> He's the brains. I like it. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have to be married to somebody like that. You and I have that in common. Our our wives are the definitely that better half thing. There's no doubt about it. Doctor Joseph Alton. It's A L T O N. The book is called The Survival Medicine Handbook: The Essential Guide for When Medical Help Is Not On The Way. Doctor Alton, thank you so much. Very very entertaining, but uh, I learned a lot as well today. So thank you. Sounds great. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Dr. Joseph Elton, ladies and gentlemen. What a nice guy. See, Andy, get in the medical field. You know Dr. Basham. You know Dr. Elton. I'd have to redo my entire high school career, though. No, you wouldn't. High school doesn't matter? Not anymore, no. Yeah, it kind of doesn't, does it? It doesn't really matter anymore. We could could work out some angles on it. You know what I'm saying? No, we couldn't. Threaten some people? Yes, we could threaten some people. Threaten you into medical school. That's how it works. Somebody asked me about that. Did you actually do that? I said, no, I'm not in the mafia, okay? Sorry. (laughs) We don't do a lot of extortion. No, no extortion. We don't have people killed. You know, we don't do any of that stuff. Uh, No, it's not a mafia organization. We're all good to go. Seriously, I'm very serious about that. And Dr. Elton is not on the the line any longer. This book would be a great book for every family to have in their home. Because if a kid comes in and has got a gash on their leg, yeah, you're going to rush them to the hospital. Well, you need to know what to do on the way to the hospital. Or you're going to call an ambulance. For example, do not touch the gash. Yes. Yeah, because that can make things a whole lot worse, just touching it, uh, you know. Because a lot of people, that's what they'll do. They'll touch it to see just how bad it is. Well, they can infect it. Well, the best thing to do when you have a deep cut is to let it bleed for a little bit. Yeah, clean it out. Yep, because it flushes out anything that's like, it lowers your risk of tetanus by like, I don't even know. Well, that's why our uh, it's a pressurized system. It makes it harder for things to get in. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you cut yourself, don't right away cover it up. Let it bleed for, yeah, like, a minute. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Well, I mean, Knowing how to behave depending. when somebody's well, yeah, having a stroke or is bleeding or a heart attack or anything, I mean, it can really, it, if you just know what to do for the first 10 minutes, it can really save somebody's life. It's it, worth It's astonishing how yeah. many people, something so simple, like someone goes into, you know, they have trouble breathing, and they just have no idea what to do. Yeah. Well, most They'll just sit there panic. and watch them die. It's most like, people just panic, and they just don't know what yeah, to do. So if you've got the if you've got a book like that, and you know you can look if it's easily indexed, and you can look up something. I had a friend who um, she had to like give herself the Heimlich maneuver. Ooh, she I like swallowed it. a pill or something. It got stuck in her. You have to go over a chair. Yeah, she had to like go <clears throat> throw her herself over the back of a couch, and yeah. she got it out that way. And if she hadn't thought, you know, ever known to do that, mm. she might have died. I always took basic first aid and um, what you call it CPR. Yeah, for nannying. So yeah, we can do the quick reveal because Alex and Catherine leave in one more minute. I'm pregnant. <laughs> 
So this is, <laughs> yes, Alex is pregnant. That's <laughs> this is a true news. story. This is many, many years ago, Catherine. I, I cannot eat rice too quickly because I cannot swallow large. I mean, I don't even mean the large amounts of rice. I have a hard time swallowing yeah. rice. A lot of people have that chew problem. And, chew and breathe. No, that's oh. not it at all. Just don't rice inhale the rice. So, well, so I you give probably, him rice all the time. <laughs> you probably have a hiatal hernia. Maybe. Because I know I do. And that some. makes it a lot harder to swallow small things. So we're at a Red Lobster. I'm having lobster uh, and rice. That was at Red Lobster? Yeah. Really? And I start gagging. So I rush into the back room to hurl. And as I'm hurling, I hear my wife laughing. <laughs> That's really nice. Really nice, well, honey. You, okay. First of all, you could talk. Really nice. And you were clearly breathing, so I knew you weren't in any super yeah. bad So that's things. why it was fun. But if you can talk, time, you're good. No, the, yes, exactly. So the <clears throat> next time it happened, we were out to dinner with somebody, and you were starting, you you looked funny, mm-hmm. but you kept smiling. Well, I didn't I'm want like, everybody to know okay? I was choking and, to death. Yeah, and you're <laughs> smiling away with this weird smile on your face, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Should I get help? Should I get help, Tom? And he just kept smiling at me. And then about five minutes later, he finally gets the rice down. He's like, I was dying! I it's was like, dying when right you're dying, your don't smile at yeah. me and, and say everything's okay. Well, that's like I read a thing that it was called Drowning Doesn't Look Like Drowning. The like climbing the ladder? Somebody... We're at 15.30, by the way. Yeah, I know. We're at 15.30. I don't know. Well, you guys can stay for the first segment of the next hour. Can I? No, I can't. Oh, God. All right. We got to go. These two pills will just abandon us, typically. Yep. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Hear the ticking of the countdown clocks tonight. Go, we need to go. Alton, a true survivor indeed. Coming up next, closing out the show, we're opening up the old vault. And we are going all the way back to episode 133 with a little role reversal. Paul Mercurio interviews the members of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Next on The Best Of... And we are laughing at my phallic like microphone cover, and Tom really Bernard's is. wife is yeah, you literally disrobing as we're talking. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, and I'm here with a uh, the uh, royalty of Minnesota, oh. the Bernard family. Oh, royalty. Right, Tom Bernard, famous radio personality. Yeah, put it next to the Taking coffee cup so we can get the uh, scale of his picture of your uh, mushroom like. Uh, <laughs> There you go. Open wide. Oh, my God. And, uh, I'm sorry I'm doing that. That's Negro a... Smurf, I think. <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and I'm sitting, Tony Lee next to me looks completely disgusted and is throwing up in his mouth right now. And, there, uh, and we are at uh, Tom Bernard's podcast studio here in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Exactly. And uh, on a, at a table that has an assortment of things, my phallic microphone, uh, gluten-free pretzels, which pumpkin tortilla chips, which is, I don't even want to discuss, and then hand cream. So I don't know what they're doing here, but apparently there's some hand cream. And then you've got Renews It. 
That's an anal renews it. No, that's thickness. because we a lot of times have the little dog in here, and she does fart up a storm. So. <laughs> the dog. And the we dog. wave it around by her whenever she. <laughs> and that true. lovely boy, that voice is the lovely Catherine Bernard, uh, hello, who hello. is married to Tom, and much like my, my, like my wife deserves some kind of medal for that. Long suffering. Uh, Correct. Long suffering. Uh, Sean Bernard is uh, the GM of the station. Uh, Tony Lee and Andy Bernard is working the board. As yeah. Not say. the one that works on the office. He's our techie. No. Guy. He's our no. techie and a mass murderer, but the nicest guy you'll ever meet. But he will kill you and eat your organs. <laughs> Not all of them. Not all of them. Just the tasty oh, bits. And everybody's been very kind to take time out of their busy day handling Tom Bernard to uh, hang out with us. That and is Tom. true. And Tom's a, a lovely man. Well, thank you very much. He has Actually. cancer. <laughs> He's got Looking a spot. at it again. He's got, he's got a spot. spot. I got a spot on my arm. Probably a felt tip marker the next day. <laughs> right, exactly. You know Rain Wilson. Yes. Right? So he was on the KQ Morning Show mm. last uh, last week. And he's just a hell of a nice guy. He's a great guy. Just a re- very nice guy. And we got into discussing, you know, wives. And I talked about Catherine. And and I said, you know, I, I just don't see what what's in it for her. Mm. Right? We talk about, I, I'm happily married, I love my wife, but I don't see what's in it for her. And there was this pause, and then Rain Wilson said, well, you sound handsome. <laughs> <laughs> it was fabulous. You do. You it have a great, great, you were one of the top three, Sean and I were talking earlier, one of the yeah. top three voiceover guys in the country yes. for a number of years. For like 25 years. And you were doing that in New York. In New York. In the 70s. 70s, 80s, 90s. You yeah. met Catherine in New York. No. No, actually. But wasn't she pregnant in New York and then you moved out of Manhattan because you had gotten several was, women pregnant at the same yeah, time? Yeah, exactly, that's exactly <laughs> Several right. black women and Catherine. No, well, I, have, I, have, I actually have a story about that early in my radio career. Oh. I uh, was working at WAPE in Jacksonville. Yes. And they hired me because they thought I sounded black. <laughs> you right? do. Because at, at night the signal is an AM station. And during the day, it would go everywhere. But at night, it went right through the ghetto out into the ocean. So they said, well, we're not hiring a black guy. So this is like 1977. This is a true story. It's like, well, I don't know any Negroes hanging around here. but uh, So let's hire this white guy from Minnesota because he sounds black anyway. Because it's the the tone of my voice. It's timber or whatever, right? So my first night on the air. Oh, God, two things happened. So my first night on the air down there. Uh, Grease Man, I don't know if you've ever heard of Grease Man. Yes. He was the morning guy. Yes. And, and he, he, he used to do like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that I think it was in D.C. when I was in, I was in D.C. in law yep. school. Yep, absolutely. The Grease Man. thing? He would kind do, of like a pop. Okay. He would do this weird, like it was almost quagmire <laughs> on Family Guy. And he'd oh, do yeah. this, uh, the, the, the Grease Man. The, like it was this weird high-pitched thing. So three things happened my first night on WAPE. Um... Grease Man knew the, the sheriff of Orange County really, really well. They right. were really good friends. Wait, you didn't say W-A-P-E, did you? Yeah. Wape. wape? It was the ape. <laughs> the ape. The ape. Yeah, yeah I know this kind of wape. Name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like really a, bad name for a ghetto <laughs> radio <laughs> station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we can just call it w, w Spear Chucker and getting it over <laughs> See, I think it and he says it. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. I don't think any black people like me, so they don't listen to my stuff. So here's the deal. So we got, we, we're thinking we're going to have everybody fooled now and blah, blah, blah. So... I go on the air, and the phones start ringing off the hook. And I answer the first phone, and this woman goes, Cadman. My, my name was Catman. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you why you were called Catman. I think because other people thought I sounded like Wolfman Jack. Right. So, I don't know. Uh, Jim Chanel was the program director at KSTP at the time, and he gave me that name. This is here in... Um, yes, yeah, Minneapolis. So where, you start, you where you started your radio career. Yes. Right. They want another animal. Want another oh, animal okay. with a man, oh, yeah, animal man, everybody. Tom the yeah. eel. Tom had a tendency to clean himself in public. <laughs> yes, yes exactly. Him. He would lick eat my... and then lick and lick his himself. <laughs> and lemur man was already taken. <laughs> lemur man, <laughs> shark man was taken. There already was a shark man. Scale lemur man. Very quickly. And we know ape man was taken because that was the mascot for W eight. Exactly for weight. If you like bananas and watermelon, you're gonna love our radio show. So this. I get this call for this one. She goes, Cat Man. I said, yes. First of all, let me tell you something. I know you ain't black. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm not a fool. <laughs> Your cover was blown. I, I said, okay, well, so what if I'm not? She goes, you have any pictures? And I said, no, I ain't got any. She goes, Cat Man, you a public speaking man. It's not, I ain't got any. It's I doesn't have any. <laughs> True story. Awesome. Oh That's a true story. It turns out that was Aretha Franklin. <laughs> yeah, it was. Absolutely. So then there's this pause, and she goes, So, Catman, you ever laid down with a black woman? That's <gasps> what she asked me. Well, I'm sweating at this point. The station is out in the middle of nowhere, by the way. I mean, it's out in the middle of the swamps yeah. in northern Florida. I'm like, oh, God. I said, I'll tell you what. I Give me a call tomorrow night, and we'll continue our conversation. This part, next part, I will have to do word for word, otherwise it doesn't have the impact. It just doesn't. Now, I'm from Minnesota. I don't know anybody in the city of Jacksonville, Florida. No one. So the sheriff calls, and he says, uh, so, Cat, man, uh, I wonder if you could go on there and tell everybody we found this very expensive racing bicycle. Uh, and if somebody could call and claim it, then, you know, that'd be great. This thing's worth several hundred dollars. And I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just put you right on the air and you can describe the, you know, the important parts and then people will be able to claim the thing. Right? <laughs> so I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as you know, Greaseman's uh, great friend, you know, Buford Pusser, whatever the guy's name <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Buford Pusser, the uh, whatever. So I said, so Sheriff, I understand you found a racing bicycle. Well, that's exactly right, Cat Man. We found this racing bicycle. It's one of them Fuji Lot White Frame bicycles. It costs a lot of money, very valuable. And if you can call the Sheriff's office and, and describe the bicycle, well, therefore, best thing, of course, would be to have the serial number on file at your house. So we definitely know it was yours. Uh, so if you can call and claim it at the Sheriff's office, we'd like to get your bicycle back to you. And I said, well, it might help. Uh, where did you find the bicycle? He goes, right in the heart of nigger town. Oh, oh Jesus. my God. Oh. I'm like, because uh, uh, oh now, again, this signal's going right through yeah. the ghetto, out into the right, ocean. Right. I'm in the middle of nowhere, right. yeah. out in the swamps, right? So I go, oh, well, boy, look at the time. We'd love to stay in schmooze. Be fabulous. Sheriff. So I hang up. The phone starts ringing like a son of a bitch. I mean, it's off the table about two feet because wow. I'm getting so many calls. Yeah. Not one complaint about nigger town. <laughs> but it was everybody's bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. That is awesome. I, Welcome to the dead. South. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know any. You know, I, I had never been in the deep south. Because Jacksonville is not Florida. It's the deep south. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's just the deep south. It's deliverance, yeah. But I just... So I'm... <laughs> Next day, I'm on my way into work because I work like 7 to midnight. Yeah. 
I'm on my way into work, and there's this guy in a Jiffy Mart, and he's about 450. He's wearing the bib overalls, the whole deal. (laughs) And he's got five candy bars in each hand. So he's got ten total candy bars. And he walks up to the counter, and the guy behind the counter looks at him. He goes, well, I'm going to have a nice little dinner tonight. And he goes, them's for after supper. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true story. So now to wrap this whole thing up. It's dessert. To wrap this whole thing up, I get off at midnight. I don't know anybody. So I figure, I'll just, well, I'll just go to the Waffle House and I'll have a late dinner and, and you know, just think about this move that I've made here to Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> You've been there how long at that point? Two days now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh. So I go to the Waffle House and there are these two women sitting in a booth and they both have curlers in their hair. Of course. Right? They got their big hair, head full of curlers. It was curler night at the Waffle House. <laughs> at the Waffle House. You, you get free waffles if you bring your, wear your curlers. So... So I'm sitting there and I'm eating my little waffle and going, I hope I meet someone, you know, to talk to and not be by myself all the time. Uh, and this other big woman with curlers in her hair comes walking in and she looks down at one of the other two curlered women and said, I heard you called my daughter a bitch. Punches her right in the right fucking in the- mouth. I mean, just blasts her right in the mouth with a, with a, a right hand. And I just dropped my fork and I said, where the fuck am I? <laughs> I mean, Is this before or after you got fleas? It, we had fleas. Yeah, my apartment oh, had fleas, too. By the way. You had fleas in Florida? Had, had fleas, yeah. Oh they God. gave me this beautiful apartment. Gave me a brand yeah. new, back then this was a big deal, gave me a brand new Monte Carlo. Oh, wow. Really Look at you. That's perfect Island. down there. Oh, absolutely. A lot of Cubans <laughs> jumping in the car with you. Only problem, I said, the station, uh, the station of the apartment's got fleas. You know, and I didn't, I'd never been around fleas before. But like right around the top of my sock line, I'm getting this red ring around both my legs. I'm going, what the hell is that? Chomp, chomp. And the next door, oh, you got fleas, I think. Look like fleas to me. I'm like, oh, wonderful. So it's just like being in a whole different world. Why did you go down there? Like you were doing radio here. Give people some background. Fire. You were doing radio yeah. here. I was doing radio up here. I love how your wife just cut your leg. He's fired. He was a loser. It's a failure. Oh, that's exactly right. It's either that or live under a bridge. It's homeless. <laughs> She's right. I got fired. Here. Here. Well, what happened was... You go to college. You get out of college. I never went to college. I never even finished high school. Oh, that's right. You told me that. Um, that's why I said ain't. So I, I, I kept getting fired from all my radio jobs. So how did you... Why did you decide to go into radio? Because uh, I, it was on the uh, Hennepin County. Hennepin County is where Minneapolis is located. Mm-hmm. They had a thing at the time called the WIN program, the Work Incentive Program, where they would take at-risk youth. Even though I was not a juvenile delinquent, I was at risk because I, was, I had dropped out of high school and lived in the ghetto. Uh, so they thought I was at risk. <clears throat> so they said, we'll send you to school. We'll put you through school. What do you want to study? And I said, well, do you have like a book of jobs? <laughs> right? And I, so they gave me this book that had job titles in it. And I got to the bees and broadcasting. I said, those fucking guys only work like three hours a day. That's what I want to do. I want to do broadcast. That right? and you got tired of readings. You said, I'm, I'm done with the yeah. bees. Yeah, I'm done with the bees. I'm reading. I want, to, I want to go bet. But luckily, you know, where I grew up, you had to bullshit your way out of a lot of things. I mean, Sean will be able to tell you that. Yeah. yeah. If you didn't make people laugh, they would kill you. That's yeah. exactly the way it was growing up in That's my fat. Italian neighborhood. Like right? they were really tough guys, and I, my wife, we, we, uh, 
I married a wasp from the right side of the tracks. Her father's a doctor. Her mother's a doctor. Her grandparents were doctors really? in World War One and World War Two. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she, when I told her for the first time that we would get in fights, fist fights, mm-hmm. on a regular basis, it's just like your wife is looking at me now. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, like weird, but then yeah. you're also turned on yeah. a little bit. I can say, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Stare at oh, it. Yeah. Stare at the phallic microphone. Oh, I can't even look at uh, it. Your husband's got cancer. He's going to be dead in 10 minutes <laughs> anyway. Um, I'll be your new best friend. Yeah, exactly. There, there. It'll be fine. Not at the funeral. <laughs> Move over, Tom. I got some business. <laughs> well. Wow, this has gotten dark. Good thing it's my podcast. Right, yeah, by the way, pumpkin tortillas are a sponsor of our mother. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. My wife was shocked. Yeah. That I mean, they were regular. I remember, and this is you mentioned the guys calling in and like not saying anything about the N word being said, and they were commenting on the bike. This right. is like a similar, not similar, but related in some way. I got in a fist fight with Eddie Sinodowski, who went to reform school like four times. Right, right. They made me. They basically made me. They wanted to steal cookies from the local convenience store. So I went in and I was the misdirect. I went in and I would ask questions and then they I would steal that. the cookies and then we'd go eat the cookies. Mm-hmm. It's true. Nice. And 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 I didn't think anything. I was like, yeah, you steal the cookies. And we were racist too. Like there was a guy who had like a little penny candy store and he would never like give you a break on anything. And his name was John's Candy Store. We called him John the Jew. We would oh. say that all the time. It was completely racist. Or we'd say like, well, you, what are you trying to Jew me down on that? Like we sure. would say things like that. And no, because it was so... Cloistered. It was Italian, all Italians, and anybody that wasn't Italian were for, like foreign. Like I didn't meet a Jewish person until I was 13 years old. I didn't know they wow. existed, Jeez. and when I met them, didn't care for them. I found that they were controlling. Now, so Tony, so, Hi, Paul, how are you? Oh, Why are you wheeling your chair away? Now? You know what it is. She never looked at your nose, but you're right. Yes, yeah, see, that, that, is that a would big, have been the, the tip off. Well, Lee, and speaking of tip, you you, you anglicized your name. <laughs> no, actually, that's that's my real name. He's really? Korean, but. <laughs> <laughs> Papa changed it before plan. he was married. If he didn't, I would have been the big Lebowski. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. You Lebowski? Lebowski? Yeah. I didn't know it was Lebowski. Harold Lebowski. And by the way, he's married to a Sicilian woman. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Well, Jews and Italians are a lot alike. Very similar. Yeah. Food, Emotion, family. Food, family. You just mm-hmm. have all the fucking money, but that's like... <laughs> Now, tell people what your relationship with Tom is and the family, and you work with Tom. What, tell them. Yeah, well, we met uh, back – I used to work at KQ mm-hmm. and uh, as a writer, producer, and uh, we just we just kind of hit it off. They'd have parties at the station, and we had similar senses of humor and grew up in ethnic neighborhoods. Right. And, you grew uh, up in the area in Minneapolis. St. Mm-hmm. Paul. Yeah, in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, just – you know, I filled in a couple times for people who were on the show who weren't there. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess it was just Stole a good chemistry. And a, about a year later, they asked me to hang out and join That's the great. show. Yeah. And so you've been with Tom for how many God, years? I, I was there for 10 years. Wow. And then we got back together on this thing. <clears throat> yeah. Where'd you go for Tell me about six – oh, God. Israel? Was, yeah, yes, I did. I went to <laughs> Tel Aviv on a, on a marvelous journey. <laughs> Opened a little drugstore. <laughs> you got a scarf in the way it's wrapped. You definitely uh, you look Middle Eastern, angry about Palestinians. I've heard that terrorist has been dropped in my presence. Really? So, has yes. it really? Yes. You and Ari Shafir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got that scary look, but I'm really a, a not as scary lightweight. as lightweight. No. 
Andy's got that intense <laughs> sinister. So now you're so so when you're working. Oh, uh, the thing about I was saying real quickly. I want to get back to you. Was like so I get in a fight with Andy Sidnowski, and we're fighting all over the neighborhood for like two hours, and it's really cold out. It's like February, so he took our jackets off, and all the other kids are following us around, and we're fist fighting, and we're punching each other, and rolling, and punching, and punching. And my this is how common it was. My mother rolls up in her Pontiac Bonneville, rolls the past the window down, and she goes, <laughs> "What are you doing, Eddie?" Paulie, what are you doing? Like, what? Well, you put your jackets on. You're going to catch your death in the cold. She drives away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like, wow. you know, and that's what people did. And so so you're in that place where you're trying to find, you got to do something or you're going to get yourself in Yeah. Trouble. So, I mean, basically what happened was, is uh, I was working at this place, WDGY, Y11. It was an AM station. They were trying to make it sound like an FM station. Mm. And it was kind of like an album rock station. And uh, the general manager decided. Now, he, he had about uh, two years earlier, same general manager, right? And he's still my friend, by the way, mm-hmm. after all this. A guy named Dale Weber. Great guy. So in 1975, I go out to the station. And I'm sitting there talking to the general manager and the program director. And I said, okay, well, I'll talk to you guys later. I said, okay. So I drove home to North Minneapolis. This is, I come through the front door. The phone's ringing. And I answered the phone. I said, hello? He goes, hey, Tom, it's Dale. Dale and Johnny here at WDGY. I said, hey, what's up? You're fired. <laughs> they wouldn't fire me in person. Really? Because they were afraid <laughs> to fire me in person, right? They right. thought I'd go berserk on them. Yeah. Well, the, the, sales, the head of sales of the day I was hired there comes up to me and goes, what are you doing? I said, just hanging around. He goes, well, you're not allowed in here. I said, what are you talking about? I was sitting in the lobby of the radio station. That was Mark Coleman. But didn't you show up oh in God. that in that interview with, like, you were, like, in cut-off jeans? He thought that I was the Toro Tommy. Guy. They called you Tommy. Yeah. And that you were, like, a kid, and they thought it was some kid that came in off the... They thought I was the Toro guy there to cut the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he's like, well, you're not supposed to be in here. You're the lawn boy. Always the fashion plate. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you know these guys became my friend. So so two years later, uh, they called me from WDGU. I said, "Yeah, we need to get a fill in to read the news. They want me to read news in the morning." Mm. So I said, "Yeah, I can do that." And then they decided that format wasn't going to work, and they were going to uh, turn it into a country and western station. Um, I don't see. I don't see you. No, I can see that. Keith Urban. Keith. I think his name is Keith Urban. Alan Jackson. Um. So anyway, they said, "Well, we're going to probably not keep a whole lot of the people on the on the station because we're album rock people, or whatever." And I said, "Well, you know, I'd actually like to audition for the morning show." And everybody started laughing. Said, "You could never do morning drive." Right. And you at this point, no you're reading the news, mm-hmm. and that's it. And that's all. And I'm how are you supporting that. yourself? I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was making like twelve grand a year or something Look like that. Look at me. That. That's a lot of money Look at in me. his neighborhood. Uh-huh. I want to ask you a question. Uh-huh. Were you a male hooker? At the <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. I tried. Didn't get a lot of customers. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. Uh, but he was with plenty. I could get it up, and yeah. then it was took a while to get it up a second time. <laughs> so, yeah, well, all of a sudden it was like, okay, they... I, so I didn't really get fired. They just kind of closed the station and became country and western. And, yeah. You got fired. But the, one of the great things... <laughs> One of the great things, just wow. you know, she does so. She does wonders for your personal. It's just unbelievable. Wow, that's exhausting. That's, I, I just was feeling sorry for her. I not feel sorry for you. I understand. But oh, ganging up. One great thing about nine years later, when I started at KQRS, and then our ratings went through the roof thanks to the people in Minnesota. I 
sent a message to each one of those people that said, you, you could never do morning drive. I said, fuck you. How about that? <laughs> you did. They did. Because they had no interest in giving anybody a chance. Yeah. It's like, I didn't, you know, it sound like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, morning radio. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so I didn't, you know, puke. So I, I apparently couldn't be a Well, but you're guy. motivated, I think, the same way I'm motivated. If someone says no to me. Oh, yeah. And that's my – I get that from my mom, I think. That yep. If someone says no, that's the best – I say that to my son. Like, that's the best thing someone's going to do is tell you you can't do it. Well, I mean, that, that was the deal with – for the same reason, by the way, when I started doing voiceover in 1977, they said, oh, you'll never, you'll never ever make any money at this. You sound too black. I mean, 1977, blacks were not getting hired to do acting, voiceover, yeah. you know, radio, nothing. Well, because they would steal the equipment. Sure. <laughs> you know, the, they'd Trans- show up on the set and there'd be no cameras. Transmitters <laughs> gone. they go? And it's like the guy with the afro. There you go. The, only the Jew? No, 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 not the Jew. Not, not, not afro Jew. Black Jew. Black, black hair Jew. Only thing they never stole was the scene. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. So in the trajectory the of things, you are, your voiceovers came before the... The serious radio career, or somewhere in the middle yeah, of that. I, yeah, I mean, I was a nighttime disc jockey before 1977, right? And then uh, in 1977, I actually went to work for Capitol Records as a regional right. promotion guy. Yeah, that's when you were in New York. Uh, no, I was still here then. Uh, but weren't you living in New York, and you moved out of New York when Catherine was pregnant? That was 1985, 86. Right. So that was some years later. So yeah. I was in New York from 80 until 86. And what brought you to New York? Because that's where all the advertising was being done. Now it's mostly voiceover. out of L.A. now. So you kind of segued out of radio for a while because you're doing so much voiceover work and that was your no, main No, because no one would hire me in radio. <laughs> I couldn't get hired in radio because I just – I never lasted – before I held this But job, were they right? Like what was the thing – Catherine, were they right? Seriously. I, I really have no idea. Like what thought, was – because, you know, sometimes people are right. Some, what was lacking in your skill set then that's not lacking now? Uh, Respect for authority. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, but because you, I tell but, people to go fuck themselves. Oh, polit- like in the office. Yeah, yeah. I that's- mean, Tony knew that, that about me. That, <laughs> that right? literally, I mean, that, when I, I worked for a short time for a few months in Fargo, North Dakota, you talk about a guy out of his wow. element. Wow. Right? So I go from North Minneapolis to Fargo, North that's Dakota. That's God teaching you a lesson. And the, the owner, not just the <laughs> president. You can't keep your mouth shut. You're going to Fargo. <laughs> fuck you, Fargo. Can't keep your mouth shut. You're going Grand to Bismarck. Grand Forks. Grand Forks. Yeah. Because things are getting a little crispy outside on this episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you as always by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Butch Patrick, Dr. Joseph Elton, and Paul Mercurio. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Awesome.